Our text is in John's Gospel today. We think about things that Jesus said. John's Gospel, I'm looking at chapter number 14. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along with us. John chapter 14 for our text today as we think about what Jesus has said. My grandfather came to America from Norway in the 1920s. He settled in Brooklyn and he worked in the shipyards and then he saved enough money to bring his family to America in 1930. And they lived in Brooklyn, but my grandmother finally said that if she didn't get away from Brooklyn, she was going to lose her children. (laughs) So Grandpa went up to Connecticut in search of a house, and he finally purchased a home on top of a mountain in a place called Ellsworth, Connecticut. The house he bought was built in the 1730s. That's 40 years before the Revolutionary War. Grandpa was a carpenter, so he went to work to fix up the old colonial house. Now, Norwegians can't pronounce the letter J. And so when Grandpa described it, he said, I yacked it up here and I yacked it up there. (laughs) But he fixed up the old colonial house and he made it a home for his family. As I said, it was built in 1730 to be a stagecoach stop. And so it was made to accommodate visitors. And when you entered the great big front door, there was a big open staircase right in front of you that led upstairs. And to the right were living quarters for the family that was running the stagecoach stop. To the left was a great big, one great big room used to entertain and feed the guests a large fireplace which actually came out from the wall into the middle of the room was open on both sides so you could see the fire from either side. A small kitchen was in the back just off the dining room. Upstairs there were bedrooms. There were two rooms attached together so you could accommodate a whole family. There was five more rooms, both small and large, upstairs. And one room was a door that led up to the third floor. So that altogether there were eight bedrooms. And as you walked through it, you could picture those early colonial Americans carrying their candles and lanterns, filling up the bedroom, gathering downstairs around the double-sided fireplace on a cold winter's night. Now all of us, everybody in the family, had a special name for Grandpa's old house. We all called it the mansion. And once a year, for a summer vacation, my family and I went home to Grandma and Grandpa's house, and we went to stay at the mansion, a grand old house with its 14 rooms and fireplaces and uh, open staircases. And when I say the word mansion, that's the place that comes into my mind. In our text today, Jesus will use the words mansion to refer to a place that he also was very fond of. Now, our story takes place during a holiday, right at the peak of the holiday season. It was the Jewish Passover. The closest thing we have to compare with the Jewish Passover in our culture would be our celebration of Christmas. It's a time of joy, time of celebration. 
It's a time for family and friends to gather. Time anticipated all year long. Plans were made and preparations were laid out. Excitement filled the air. And the highlight of the celebration was a very special meal, the Passover dinner, a time filled with love, memories, years of family celebrations made Passover the favorite Jewish holiday. And in our text, as we come on the scene, we come to a Passover meal, we look in on it, and it is anything but happy. It is a sadness has filled that room. Every face shows signs of distress. There's no mood of celebration, only heavy hearts and sad faces. And some even show signs of fear in their faith. What happened? What made this Passover celebration so solemn and so stressful? As we look around the room, we see 12 men. Some were related. Some were best friends. They were all disciples, followers of Jesus. And sitting in the seat of honor at the head of the table was Jesus of Nazareth, their leader. And when we see the sadness on the disciples' faces and the depressing attitude, we wonder, what was it that made this normally joyful event so full of sadness? The cause of the sudden sadness was that Jesus said to those 12 men, I'm going away and you can't come with me. Now for the last three and a half years, those 12 men had followed Jesus wherever he went. He went across the Sea of Galilee, they followed. He climbed up the mountaintop, they followed. All across Galilee, they followed from town to town. Down to Jerusalem, they followed Jesus. Day and night, they traveled with him. They ate their meals with him. They slept with him. It had been the most exciting and thrilling three and a half years of their lives. They'd heard him preach to thousands. They'd watched him heal hundreds. And they saw the blind made to see and the lame made to walk and the deaf made to hear. They even saw the dead raised to life. What a wonderful life experience it had been to be an eyewitness to the life of Jesus. And they all believed Jesus was the long-promised Messiah. But as they gathered around that Passover table, Jesus said in plain words, I'm going away and you can't come with me. Now, they'd promised to follow him wherever he went. They'd pledged that they would never forsake him. You see, my friends, not only were those last three and a half years exciting, it was more than that. They'd come to love Jesus. He was so kind and friendly and caring. They absolutely loved his company. And now... Now, he said, I'm leaving and you can't come with me. They could hardly believe their ears. Did he say we can't go with him? 
We left our home. We abandoned our lives to follow Jesus. And now he says, you can't come with me? What are we going to do? What's next? Without Jesus, what will the future hold for us? And in sad wonder and amazement, they're stunned by his word. Now in chapter 14 of John, Jesus will say something to change their attitude, calm their fears, and lift their spirits. And my friends, let me tell you this morning, these are the most comforting words ever spoken. I have read them at many a graveside. I have quoted them in many memorial services. And when people gather in sadness and grief, I have used these words to bring comfort to many sad hearts. So let's see what Jesus said to cheer the hearts of the men gathered with him around the table that night. John 14, verse number 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. To those sad, disappointed, and confused men, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be downcast. Don't be depressed. I ask you, do you believe in God? And they all nod their heads, yes, we believe in God. Okay, if you believe in God, then believe in me. I will explain to you how things work, and I will use language to help you understand. Verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It's true, said Jesus, I'm going away, but I'm going to a place I just love to go to. I'm going to my father's house. I'm going home. My favorite place. It's exciting for me, said Jesus, to go home. Do you like to go home? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me too. Now Jesus used a name to describe the place where he was going. He said, I'm going to my father's house. Now, the word we would use is heaven. Jesus was going to heaven. You see, my friends, when we say the word heaven, we get a lot of different ideas and different pictures in our mind. We sang songs about people's different ideas about heaven this morning. The black slaves sang about heaven, and they imagined that death was like crossing a river, the Jordan River, the famous river. And they went to heaven, they would hear the rolling waters of the Jordan River. Roll, Jordan, roll. I want to go to heaven to hear Jordan roll. To others, they pictured heaven as a place where angels would come with white wings and gather around you and pick you up and fly you off to heaven. Oh, come angel band, coming around me stand. Bear me away on your snow-white wings to my eternal home. 
to the modern southern gospel style. People believe that death is like a river. And mama and daddy went over to the other side. And I just want a glimpse of what it's like over there. I want to peek over and see what it's like on the other side. I want to get a glimpse into heaven's golden shore. We all have some concept and some picture in our minds of what heaven must be like. But in our text, Jesus describes heaven as my father's house, and I'm so excited to go home. You see, when Jesus was here on earth, he was treated like a stranger. When he was born, the only place he was offered was a stable. And he was laid in a manger. He lived in poverty and obscurity for 30 years. And then for three and a half years, he wandered like a homeless person. And he himself said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but I don't have a place to lay my head. And it tells us he was despised by men. He was rejected. And here on earth, he was treated like a stranger. But now... He's going home. He's going home to his father's house where he'll be welcomed with open arms. And he'll be loved and celebrated when he arrives. He'll be treated like royalty. And Jesus said to his disciples, Yes, I'm going away, but don't be disheartened. I'm going home where they love me. And they're welcoming me with open arms. And then he said, Let me explain to you what it's like in heaven, there are many mansions. When I go home to that wonderful place, he said, I'm going to prepare something just for you, a place just for you. I'm going to try to explain the kind of place that I'm going to prepare for you. A place for you to live when you get to heaven. There'll be a home for you there. It'll be your house. And the only words that I can use to describe it is, it's a mansion. <laughs> now, when Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you to live, and it's a mansion, oh, do I have a picture in my mind of a mansion that I was once in, a house with 14 rooms and eight bedrooms, a great big fireplace, a large room for gathering together, three stories high. A mansion, that's my mansion. Jesus trying to communicate an idea to us, a concept of what heaven will be like. My friends, right now I live in a house. I got one room that's both the kitchen and the living room. I have one bedroom, one bathroom, and a little hallway. And we have a small loft upstairs. So we live in four rooms. It's small. It's adequate. I'm quite happy with that. But one thing's for sure. It's not a mansion. And I would venture to say, you don't live in a mansion either. <laughs> in Jesus' day, his disciples and most of the Jewish people lived in two-room houses and maybe three-room houses. One story, a thatched roof, 
plain and ordinary dwellings, just like we live in. Here on earth, we may say that somewhere over in Medina, there's a couple of great big old houses, mansions, or over on Route 98 going into Albion, there's a couple of great big houses. You could call them mansions. But Jesus said, up in my Father's house, up in heaven, there are many mansions. Or in other words, heaven is so much better than here on earth. Heaven is full of mansions. Heaven's homes are magnificent. It's so much better up in heaven than it is down here that you can't even compare it. And Jesus is excited. He says, I'm going to prepare one of those for you. A perfect home, exactly what you need. And when the time comes, I'll come and get you and I'll take you there. Because I want you to experience the welcoming that I feel. And the love that I do in my Father's house. So we'll be together forever, he said. Oh, my friends, it's not like down here on earth. When I bought my first house, I signed on the line for a 30-year mortgage at 13.5%. For many of the years I lived in the house, I didn't even own it. The bank owned it. My friends... There are no mortgages in heaven. The place is yours. Full ownership's been arranged before you arrive. Now, my grandfather's house, what we call the mansion, when he died, no one in the family wanted it. My father did, but he couldn't afford it. So it was sold. And the new owner's Built a great big add-on garage and spoiled the looks of the whole place. Doesn't even look like the mansion anymore. In heaven, your mansion will be yours forever. You'll never outlive it, and it will never outlive you. So Jesus says to these 12 men, I don't want your hearts to be troubled. I don't want you to fear the future. I'm going home and heaven will be your future up there. I'm going there first, and I'll come to get you so we can be together forever. Now the disciples can't quite comprehend what Jesus just said. Watch this, verse 4. Whither I go, ye know, and the way you know. Or I'm going to heaven, and you know how to get there. Verse 5, Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Thomas, who was the doubter, the one most easily troubled in his mind, the one most likely to be depressed, he says, if we don't know where you're going, how are we supposed to know how to get there? (laughs) Jesus replies in verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And these are some of the most important words that Jesus ever spoke. I'm the way, he said, to get to heaven. You can't go to my Father's house, or you can't go to heaven unless you go through me 
I am the way, the only way you can get to heaven. Now, my friends, hundreds of people, people everywhere, disagree with Jesus. They say, you know, if you just believe that God exists, you'll go to heaven. Or they say, if you do good things, enough of them, you go to heaven, don't we all? And Jesus' exclusive claim to be the only way to get to heaven, people just say, that's not true. So Jesus says, I am the way, and number two, I am the truth. My friends, there is an ultimate reality. Not misconceptions, not men's opinions, but an ultimate reality. God is the ultimate reality. God is the ultimate truth. That he created this world, that he sustains this world, that he gives life to every living thing. That is the ultimate reality. And the disciples of Jesus that night were troubled and afraid. Where are you going, Jesus? Why can't we go with you? They just couldn't understand. <clears throat> One day later, the next day, the answer would come. At 9 o'clock the next morning, Jesus was condemned to die on a cross. He was crucified that morning. And at 3 p.m. the next day, he died. Now, what we know is that he suffered and died for our sins. He paid the price for our sins. And he now is the only one who has the right to say that person's sins are forgiven because I paid for them. And I have the right to forgive them. And that's why Jesus is the only way to heaven. He has the right to forgive our sins, and he will do that if we ask him to. He will finish now the work. He says, I am the way. I can forgive you, and only I. I am the truth. I'm the ultimate reality, and I am the life. I can make you live forever. Where? In a home. No way. No said that wrong, in a mansion, waiting for you in heaven. Yes, Jesus is the way to heaven. Your mortgage is paid. Your title papers are made out. Your future is secure. You just accept Jesus and believe in him. Remember what Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you. If heaven was just a place where you float around in the clouds in some sort of suspended animation, where you're just one among thousands lost in a crowd, if that's what heaven was like, I would have told you. But what I'm telling you is the way, heaven's way better than earth. It's family, it's welcome, it's love, it's security, it's your own place. You retain your own identity, it's yours forever. Now if that's your future, how do you feel? Is your heart 
trouble still? No? Good. And here's my plan, said Jesus. I'm looking down at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. Jesus says, relax now. Relax. Peaceful rest. Your future is secure with me. Don't be troubled or afraid. I'll give you a place. And in your heart that you will never get anywhere else, I'll give you a peace. This world is going to give you trouble. This world's going to give you stress. This world's going to make you fearful. But I will give you peace. So he said that night, no more sad faces. No more depressed moods. I got something to give you that you can't find anywhere else. Peace in your heart. And those, my friends, are the most comforting words ever spoken. May you find peace and forgiveness and a confidence that as Jesus promised, he will also do. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. May God bless you as you find peace in Jesus. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what your promises are. What a place you've offered us. What a happy thing it is. We think about going there. Lord, it makes our future safe and secure, gives us peace in our hearts. And we thank you for what you did. Thank you for describing it like going home, helping us to understand that you've really done a wonderful job making us welcome there. Bless us, Lord, as we trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn book for one more hymn with us. Number 384, standing as we sing, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Number 384, standing as we sing, when the roll is called up When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. When the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the rose call of yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder. That bright and cloud this morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection shake. When his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Oh, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder. Slave for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk about his wondrous love and care. 
And when all of life is over and the work on earth is done, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Oh, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder. Everybody said, Amen. We want to thank you for being in our service today. We hope it's been a blessing to you. We're going to say a prayer, and then you're welcome to go off and have the time of your life. In case it didn't start yet, but I hope it did. <laughs> As Levi say, we're in prayer. Dear Lord, we are thankful for your promises to us. May we know that you are the way, the only way. And you bring the truth to have real life in, uh, in heaven with you eternally. If we but believe in you, we can be in that place. And you have created a home for us, a mansion, a place where we can be at home and have freedom and be with our loved ones. We are thankful for those things. We just pray that you'd help our belief and our faith to be strong in you. Help each and every person here. Bless them. Help them to think about you. Help them to know you more deeply. Watch over us, we pray, on this whole entire day. Protect us and be with us and help us to have a love for you throughout this day and this coming week. We're grateful for all the things that we have and that you are here with us. We pray that you continue to stay with us throughout this day. In your name.